This is Radio Influence. Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes on Radio Influence. Here's your host, Price Atkinson. Welcome back into another edition of Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football, where we cover Army, Navy, and Air Force all season long as we have done in year one of the podcast. Appreciate everybody tuning in. This is episode number 16 as we head down to the wire as we will now begin getting ready for the Army-Navy game, the final regular season game for both of these two teams as Air Force wrapped up this past weekend in Colorado Springs. We'll get into our game recaps here just very, very shortly. But coming up in this episode, we got a lot to do, believe it or not, even though we don't have any games this weekend. A lot to tell you about here on this episode of Yards and Stripes. As always, I'm Bryce Atkinson. Appreciate everybody tuning in, and tuning in is what you have done all season long. We cannot thank you enough for doing that, whether it be iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Radio Influence, or via our website, yardsandstripes.com. Thank you so very much for doing so. You are the ones that have made this year a huge success in year one of Yards and Stripes. But coming up today... You'll hear Pete Medhurst in this episode, the play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipman. We've had Jim Arthur from Air Force. We've had Rich DeMarco on from Army. Now we will wrap up our play-by-play voices of our respective school series, and that will be Pete Medhurst from the Naval Academy as they fell to Houston this past weekend. We'll talk about that, where Navy is getting ready for the Army-Navy game. Also, Got some news and notes to get into a little bit later in the show. Some uh, some of the interviews, sounds, what the coaches, players had to say at the annual Army-Navy press conference in Philadelphia this week is both teams getting ready for that game on Saturday, December the 9th in Philadelphia at Lincoln Financial Field. So you'll hear from both sides from Army and Navy in that game coming up later here in the podcast. You also get, certainly, the way we close it up every single week here on the podcast, our Faces of the Fallen segment where we honor a fallen former student-athlete from Army, Navy, or Air Force. Some news and notes to get into just out of the gate. Uh, one big one big programming note. want to make sure everybody gets this right out of the gate. I'll mention it again a little bit later. But a big programming note. Next week's podcast, it will not come out on Wednesday like we always do every single week. A brand new episode is available on Wednesday morning. When you wake up, rise and shine, you have yards and stripes right there in your inbox or on your uh, right there on your phone, your laptop. We are going to do something a little bit different next week. I will be live at Radio Row on Friday next week in Philadelphia, presented by USAA. Radio Row presented by USAA, Health Army Navy game. I will be there next Friday instead of a podcast on Wednesday. I will be live from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time from Radio Row next Friday afternoon with a special two-hour preview with interviews, guests, all kinds of information live from Philadelphia, the site of the 2017 Army-Navy game. You will be able to listen to that live online. I will give you the link. It's radioinfluence.com forward slash Army-Navy game. That Again, you can listen to that live broadcast, 12 to 2, 
radioinfluence.com forward slash Army Navy game. That's Army Navy game all together. I will make sure to tweet it out. You can check it out on our Facebook page at Yards and Stripes on Facebook and Twitter. Give us a like. Give us a follow on both of those. I will keep you updated with everything as it relates to the live show next week. If you missed the live show from 12 to 2 next week, do not worry. Shortly thereafter, when it is complete, I will have that archived. I will have it up on the podcast app. So don't worry. If you missed the live show, would love for you to spend a little bit of your uh, early afternoon on Friday getting ready for the game. If you're traveling, listen to it live. They're on your smartphone, which you can do, again, radioinfluence.com forward slash Army Navy game. That is where you can listen to the live show. It'll be streamed through TuneIn Radio, but we'll make it easy and have a, a spot right there on their website where you can listen to the live show, again, from Radio Road next Friday from 12 to 2 p.m., a special Army-Navy preview, and I will have it up as a podcast within probably 30 minutes of the show uh, finishing up. So do not worry. We will have that for you next Friday to get you ready for the 2017 Army-Navy game. Lot should be a lot of great interviews. Was there last year on Radio Row? Cannot, don't know what we'll have yet, but I can guarantee we will have some great stuff and bring it to you live from Philadelphia. But as we get ready for that uh, this week, some a little bit of news out of uh, both Army and Navy as it pertains to those two schools. Uh, first for Army, uh, Brent Davis, the offensive coordinator for the Black Knights. He will not be going to Georgia Southern. Was actually not even interviewed. Uh, as, as where he spent, uh, I think, believe about 13 years as an assistant for with Jeff Munkin down in Statesboro. Uh, but the current Army offensive coordinator, Brent Davis, uh, was considered, to, thought to maybe to be in the mix for the Georgia Southern head coaching job. That is not the case. Chad Lunsford, a uh, coach that was the interim uh, head coach, he has been promoted, so he will take over in Statesboro. Jeff Munkin saying this week also, Kel Walker, the slot back sophomore out of Georgia who hurt his ankle in the lost to North Texas. He 100% that he will play in the Army-Navy game, hoping that he can return some kicks. That would certainly be a huge help for uh, the Black Knights as really outside of Ahmad Bradshaw, probably the most dynamic playmaker on the offensive side of the ball. So Kel Walker definitely expected back for the Army-Navy game. As it relates to the midshipmen, uh, Navy releases some sweet, their brand new Under Armour uniforms that they will play in next weekend against the Black Knights. These uniforms, uh, obviously an Under Armour school. Navy will be wearing special Blue Angels-inspired uniforms. If you haven't seen them online, go check them out. Uh, I personally will tell you, is a uh, is a guy that enjoys some new and different threads from time to time, wasn't a big fan of the Navy yellow uh, helmets last year. I think these are incredibly sharp. A lot of a uh, little bit more of a, a royal blue, but I think these fans are really going to like them. Uh, Sal Interdonato tells us uh, on his blog this week that Army will release their uniforms next week, next week being the week of the Army-Navy game. So we will know what Army will be donning next week. Uh, as it relates to bowl stuff, we know Army is headed to the Armed Forces Bowl. That one December the 23rd down in Fort Worth, Texas. Right now, unknown destination for the midshipmen uh, is now as they are in a pool of teams, uh, seven bowls to be exact for the American Athletic Conference. They are now in a pool picking system where it was predetermined before when Navy was an independent in, the, in their first couple of years in the AAC, had an idea where they were going ahead of time. That is not the case, but 
speculation, the way it looks potentially, Navy could indeed be staying at home to play in the Military Bowl. That one would be hosted at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis December the 28th. Again, that's not official. That's just where a lot of projections have the midshipmen going. That certainly would help from a ticket standpoint, especially with Navy in the years past having been able to really, the minute they become bowl eligible, sell tickets, get packages out to fans with that destination known earlier in the season. Now, obviously, Navy just getting bowl eligible against SMU and not knowing exactly where they'll go. That would certainly help Navy this year from a standpoint of getting tickets and revenue, but also they will face off against an, an Atlantic Coast Conference opponent. Right now, it looks like that could potentially either be the Duke Blue Devils, possibly Florida State, but very most likely, and I think a matchup that would would help ticket sales would be a matchup against the Virginia Cavaliers, a border showdown, so to speak, between Virginia and Maryland. That one could very well be in the making as it looks like Wake Forest could be a little bit more attractive of a destination there in Charlotte to the Belk Bowl, while Boston College also bowl eligible, maybe staying closer to home, playing in the Pinstripe Bowl uh, in New York City. But uh, that's a couple news and notes out of the gate, and also that programming note, I'll let you know that again, but the programming note, 12-2 to 2 next Friday, special Army-Navy preview on Yards and Stripes. You can listen to that on RadioInfluence.com forward slash Army-Navy game. All right, a lot of action this weekend. This past weekend, let's go ahead and get to it. All right, let's start on Black Friday. Last Friday, as Navy traveled down to Houston, their final American Athletic Conference game of the season, and the midshipmen fall 24-14 to to the host Houston Cougars. Navy dropping to 6-5 and five overall, 4-4 four and four in the American Athletic, while Houston improved to 7-5, and 5-3. Five, five and three in the AAC as this game was just simply a tale of two very different halves folks navy was up 14 to 7 at halftime the mids left i'd say right easily 10 points on the table a missed first half field goal and then a turnover on downs inside the Houston 5 yard line in that first half, critical as Navy very well still could have lost the football game, but those are 10 points right there. And if you do the math, 24 to 14, that would give us a tie game, but Navy cannot come up and make uh, make the Cougars pay, especially there on a couple turnovers in the football game. The midshipmen now have lost five of their last six as they started 5-0, and crept into the AP Top 25, now in a tailspin right now, having lost five of their last six, getting ready for the Army-Navy game. But as I mentioned, a game that was a tale of two very different halves, Navy up uh, 14-7 to at half. Then it was the Cougars, all Cougars, in the second half, outscoring Navy 17-0 in that second stanza. As I mentioned, Houston took the lead 7-0, but Navy came back to own the, four, the, the second quarter. A Malcolm Perry 12-yard touchdown run, and Anthony Gargiulo goes in from 13 yards out. That made it 14-7 with six minutes to go in the third. But then in the third quarter, uh, excuse me, that made it 14-7, six minutes to go in the second. Then in the third quarter, De'Eric King, the quarterback for the Cougars, he takes a two-yard touchdown run in to tie the game, capping a 14-play, 90-yard drive that spanned five minutes, 32 seconds here late in the third quarter. 
and then the Cougars would put another long touchdown pass, 61 yards from King to Stephen Dunbar. That gave Houston their second lead of the game, 21-14. to They would add a 35-yard field goal midway through the final quarter for the game's final margin in a game where uh, Navy, as I mentioned, uh, did the job in the first half, but the Cougars in the second half hold Navy to just 79 yards of total offense and six first downs there in the third and fourth quarters. Uh, It was um, All-American defensive tackle Ed Oliver. What else can you say? He's an All-American for a reason, as he had a career-high 14 tackles, including three-and-a-half tackles for a loss, just wreaking havoc up front, leading the way for the Houston defensive line. Zach Abey started at quarterback but was relieved uh, by Garrett Lewis and Malcolm Perry, who those two went most of the way in the fourth quarter. But uh, something that happened there to Navy there late in the third. With four minutes to go, Navy linebacker Taylor Heflin ejected on a questionable, a very questionable targeting call. Uh, He will now miss the first half of the upcoming Army-Navy game as he has to sit due to the targeting call. Unless that is somehow overturned this week by the American Athletic Conference, Taylor Heflin will miss the first half of the Army-Navy game. The midshipmen were led in the contest by Zach Aby, who was 2 of 4, throwing 45 yards, ran for 33 yards. But Malcolm Perry, the quarterback slash slot back, he was the team high leader in rushing. 15 carries, 82 yards with a touchdown, while Garjulo, he had 16 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown. But Navy just could not overcome the Houston offense, especially in the second half. Derek King. For the game, 21-27, throwing the football, 277 yards and a touchdown, average over 10 yards of completion. You know, Navy looked like they were playing just much softer coverage. I believe there was an injury there in the first half that changed things up for the midshipmen. But the mids do fall 24-14 to afterwards. Here's Zach Aby talking about the mids struggling to capitalize on some of those opportunities, especially in the first half. Yeah, in the first half, we didn't have a problem with moving football. Um, but we blocked well. You know, we, we did everything unprogrammed well. We got the ball out. Um, and then, yeah, just little things, missed assignments, um, penalties killed us. And uh, definitely, when we were uh, you know, inside the five, you know, from that big turnover, we had to put points on the board. And that's, that's on me. Um, for me, yeah, we just have to, you know, in big games like that, you have to take advantage of. Opportunities, especially in the first half, we do miss them. Like I said, we just couldn't get the offense going in the second half. Um, you know, it's, it's really inexcusable because they, they didn't really do anything different, you know, with the defense or anything. You know, we just, we just couldn't get the, the ball going off that zone. First, it starts with the quarterback, you know, the ball's always in the quarterback's hands, so I take responsibility for the majority of it. But, uh, I mean, you know, we just couldn't get the ball going. That was Navy quarterback Zach Aby, as they will now uh, prepare for Army. Afterwards, also, Malcolm Perry, he also touched down. What did Houston do differently than the first half? He said it was nothing they had not seen on film in preparing for the game. Really nothing we hadn't seen all week, uh, practice for all week. Um, we just had to come out and execute. Uh, uh, just didn't do that. Like, like you said, in the first half, we got the ball rolling, um, made some plays, didn't put enough points on the board. In the second half, uh, we just didn't come out next to you. Uh, it's definitely hard to stomach. Um, that's not Navy football. Uh, that's not our culture. Uh, that's not how we play. That's not how we win. 
That was the playmaking quarterback, slot back Malcolm Perry there after the game. And you know, as he mentioned, the midshipmen, they fall 6-5 and five overall now, 4-4 four and four in the American Athletic with that big Army-Navy game coming up next weekend in Philadelphia. I think that is a game that if Navy can somehow win it through the way this season has transpired, that could take a lot of bad taste out of, out of their mouths there in Annapolis as that one will be obviously for the Commander-in-Chief Trophy, which we have repeated over and over. More on that game in a little bit. And finally, on Saturday, the Air Force Academy hosting Utah State at Falcon Stadium, a late-night affair as the game kicked off after 8 p.m. their local time. But the Falcons, they close out the regular season and their 2017 campaign in winning style on Senior Day as the Falcons defeat Utah State 38-35. to Utah State drops to 6-6 six and six overall, 4-4 four and four in the Mountain West, while the Air Force Falcons, they improve to 5-7 and seven and 4-4 four and four in the Mountain West Conference as they will miss out on a bowl game for the first time since the 2013 season. The Falcons, they learned before the game that they would not be bowl eligible as all the bowl slots are filled officially by six and six teams. And should one have not been filled by six and six team, Air Force would have been the first team in line due to graduation weight to move to rate to move up and fill one of those bowl slots. But that will not be the case for Coach Troy Calhoun's team as they as they fall to five and seven. But they get the win to close out the season on a winning note. Again, 38-35 over Utah State. And a game where 6'2 sophomore quarterback Isaiah Sanders, the local product born at the Air Force Academy and in Colorado Springs, played at Palmer Ridge High School. He making his first career start for the Falcons. He runs 196 yards, three touchdowns in his first career start. But more importantly, 44 carries, a school record, 44 carries by sophomore quarterback Isaiah Thomas in his first career start. And that final carry was a 10-yard touchdown run with 138, a go left in the game, a go-ahead score. His final 44 carry of the game put Air Force ahead for good, which saw four different lead changes in the fourth quarter. But the Falcons, they go on to snap a three-game losing streak in that regular season finale, led by Isaiah Sanders, 196 yards rushing, 407 yards rushing by the Falcons in the game. Sanders just becomes the 30th player this century to rush over 40 times in a single contest. That note coming via Colorado Springs Gazette Air Force beat writer Brett Brigham. But uh, the Falcons, just a what a way to finish the season. The way you up and down season, but they get the win ahead at the half, or tra- excuse me, trailing at halftime. 21-7 is Isaiah Sanders. He went across the goal line for his first touchdown of the game to cut the lead 21-17. to He gets another touchdown run, the only touchdown of the third quarter. That one from four yards out is that put Air Force back in front 24-21 to midway through the third quarter. But then in the fourth, it would be trading scores and touchdowns back and forth as Utah State would go back in front 28-24 on a 24-yard touchdown pass from Jordan Love to Raquavian Tarver. Air Force gets a fumble recovery in the end zone to go back in front 38, 31 to 28. 
But then Tarver, he hauls in another pass from this one from 22 yards out with five minutes to go. Utah State back in front 35-31 before Isaiah Sanders caps a 13-play, 75-yard drive with that 10-yard touchdown run to give Air Force the lead, 38-35, a lead they would not give up as Luke Strabel, he knocked home the point after to become Air Force's all-time leading scorer. So he had a field goal and five point-after attempts in the game that he converted now 20, 254 career points for Luke Strabel, the senior kicker for the Falcons, breaking D. Dallas and Bo Morgan's school record of 252 yards. Afterwards, here's what Luke Strabel had to say in a humble manner, as he always is, about breaking that all-time scoring record for the Falcons. Um, obviously, it's a huge honor. It's um, something I didn't really know I was close to until the last couple of weeks, but I mean, all the props in the world go to the, you know, all the guys that got me there, Andrew, Austin, Braden, Steve, you know, all, all those guys that um, held the ball for me or snapped it to me over the years and um, the hundreds of plays that came together to kind of get me there. It's, it's, it's humbling for sure. Does it mean a lot to you because you got it in a win? I mean, I'm sure if that had happened and you guys lost this football game, it might feel a little different. Absolutely. I mean, um, I would rather have won this game than got that record, which is easy to say now because we won the game. <laughs> um, but I really think that going out in a win in Falcon Stadium is is something awesome, and um, we've won here a lot more than we've lost. And seeing the Shalele one more time was was pretty sweet, and um, definitely something that I'll remember for the rest of my life. That was Luke Strabel after the game. Also after the game, Isaiah Sanders, who was a third-team starting quarterback just a couple weeks ago. Aaron Worthman out with a knee injury. Nate Romine breaks a collarbone last week. Insert Isaiah Sanders, who played mop-up duty last week, but comes in to start this one. Actually had to go out during that that game-winning drive there is fourth stringer Michael Schmidt came in for a play late in the game, and boy, was it a big play as he helped Air Force convert on a third and five on that game-winning drive. But the star was Isaiah Sanders. Here's what Sanders had to say after the game. Yes, yeah, you know, it's worth it, though. It's cool to be able to be involved in the game and, you know, in the first start to be able to help the team win like that. It's definitely a blessing, so... What was your mindset going in? I mean, I'm sure you were nervous first start ever. You know, it's funny because I really wasn't too nervous. I feel like by the time game time came around, it's you know it's football. It's time to go and a lot of prayer, a lot of support, a lot of you know reading scriptures and stuff like that, just to get myself spirit, mind, and body um, right. You know, I was I felt like I was ready, um, and and coach was telling me I was ready, and just it was time to ball. So. That audio from Luke Strabel and Isaiah Sanders comes courtesy of Falcon Vision. Just a big uh, big way to end the season for the Falcons, knowing that was not the way they wanted this campaign to go after starting on a winning note against VMI. But lots of ups and downs for Troy Calhoun's team. They will be back once again next season. You can be assured of just that. All right, we don't have many more left to give out, but it is time for this week's game ball here on Yards and Stripes. All right, you heard the horn. You know what that means. It's time to give out our weekly game ball. And a guy's name I just mentioned just before that horn. Wow, what a day for Isaiah Sanders, the sophomore, 6'2", out of Colorado Springs and Palmer Ridge High School kid who basically grew up at the Air Force Academy in the Springs. 
He has just what a monster day. I don't know if you could write a monster day bigger than what he did. 44 carries, again, a school record, 196 yards rushing, first career start along with three touchdown carries. Also was 4 of 12 passing, 33 yards uh, in the game, including an interception. But for a kid that didn't see a single bit of action last year uh, in Isaiah Sanders, only saw action in one game this year, and that was last week in mop-up duty against Boise State after Nate Romine gets hurt, breaks that collarbone. He ran four times for 11 yards last week against the Broncos, uh, was through uh, three incompletions in that game, but comes back in a big way to knock off the Aggies from Utah State uh, in just a dominant performance under center uh, by the sophomore quarterback, Isaiah Sanders. I mentioned he was aided in the game by uh, Jacob Stafford, who also had a big game for the Falcons. Stafford also crosses the 100-yard mark, 14 carries, 112 yards. But as I mentioned, just a school record, 44 carries. He got hurt there briefly on that final drive. Michael Schmidt came into the game to relieve him from one play. Said he, Sanders said he heard a crack in his back or something, but he had to gut it out and come back in and finish the game, and he does just that. As Isaiah Sanders, our yards and strikes, weekly game ball. All right, when we come back, the play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipman, Pete Medhurst, going to stop in as we will now have had all three play-by-play voices for our respective three teams. Coming up next is Pete Medhurst, the play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipman, joins us next on Yards and Stripes. All right, welcome back in to Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now going to connect with... uh, one of my good friends and play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipman, Pete Medhurst, been with the Navy Radio Network since 1997. Going to wrap it up as we've had Jim Arthur from Air Force and certainly Rich DeMarco from Army on earlier this season. So we're going to make it the perfect trifecta as Pete also does some horse racing at Rosecroft there locally in the D.C. market. But Pete, what's happening? Welcome in to Yards and Stripes. My pleasure to be here, Price. Thanks for having me, and uh, congratulations on uh, the podcast and, and really putting a positive light on uh, Service Academy football. I think it's one of the more underappreciated uh, things uh, about college football, and you guys have uh, done a great job of promoting that and, and glad to see it happen. Well, it's, you know, cut my teeth with you years ago, and, you know, it's just uh, it's one of those things. You see what happened last year, and a lot of people asked me why I do it and said, you know, look at last year. You had all three teams make bowl games this year, and it was darn close to happening again this year. But, you know, it's just a underappreciated. When we look at college football, we see the big money market, the college football playoff, the semifinals, you know, the New Year's Day six. And, you know, a lot of people forget there's some really, really good football being played at Army, Navy, and Air Force throughout the college football season. So, just appreciate you uh, those kind words, but let's get right to the to the good stuff, the meat on the bone, Matt, as, as you're the play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipmen. Tough loss, uh, really a tale of two halves down there for last Friday, Black Friday it was, at Houston for the mids. No doubt, and I, I think, you know, the one thing that, that came out of that game um, that was the most surprising thing to me, and, and Joe Miller, who does the games with me and uh, co-hosts with me on our podcast, It's College Football, Yep. And we talked about it this week. Ed Oliver and Gerard Carter uh, did something that you don't see in college football. Defensive tackles who have a lot of tackles. Usually it's the defensive tackle. 
that goes and occupies blockers so the linebackers can all fill the hole and make all the tackles. That's why your linebackers always have huge tackle numbers. Well, Oliver and Carter combined for 21 tackles on their own. That's just an absurd number, and you got to tip your cap to them. They just played really good football on the defensive side on Friday. Those two uh, particular guys, Hines, their middle linebacker, another guy that runs to the football uh, as well as any middle linebacker in the American Athletic Conference. And, uh, you know, the mids just couldn't generate enough offense, plain and simple, uh, to uh, beat Houston uh, on Friday. You know, it's been a, I guess to say a roller coaster season, maybe not roller coaster, but like some other teams, but when I said tale of two halves, maybe a tale of two halves of a season is, you know, as we were leaving the stadium 5-0 and after the thriller against Air Force, just still one of the best college football games I've seen in the last five, maybe ten years in Annapolis back in early October. Mids were 5-0. and They cracked the AP Top 25, and since then it's, you know, a 1-5 in skid. But, you know, outside of the win over SMU, I mean, these were all games, the five losses, these are all games that were within ten points they could have been winnable. I mean, could have, would have, should have. But you take a series here, a mistake there, you know, a turnover here, there. I mean, these things could really be different for Navy. Well, there's no doubt about it. But, again, as Ken Niamatololo has said uh, throughout his tenure at Navy, you know, the, the margin for them in terms of winning and losing is very thin. Yep. And if you – this is – I've never seen a year, even through the Paul Johnson years. Right. I've never seen a year like this where the mids have been – snake bitten by turnovers and penalties at the rate that they have been this year. It's just been insane. I mean, they've turned it over more this year and had as many penalties this year as the last two or three seasons in terms of a combined total. Uh, It's just been that different uh, of a season. And in football, when you're the Naval Academy and you give away possessions, you get holding penalties, especially on plays when – guys buy you and we've had guys getting called for holding penalties and they're legitimate calls. I mean, in a couple of those situations, um, you know, and that, that's just the way the season has gone. Then on top of it, you add all of the injuries uh, that the mids have suffered at the quarterback position, the slot back position, Chris high was missing. Josh Walker, his backup was missing. So ironically, the, the one thing that's come out of it is uh, the young man that was third on our depth chart, Anthony Garzulo, uh, has gotten his first real opportunity mm-hmm. to play significant snaps, and, and he's been brilliant. So we've been able to develop him, and you know we've really found out that Malcolm Perry is a, a game-breaker at quarterback in uh, his 282-yard game against SMU. But, of course, at the end of the game, he got hurt there. So <laughs> the, the, this poor team has not been able to catch a break all year long. But, again, they're not that far away from that level that they have set the bar at Uh, in previous years so you know the opportunity to play that way is there and obviously having two weeks to get away from this all refresh recover and and get ready for army uh, I think is certainly going to help this team yeah continue with Pete Medhurst play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipmen been with the Navy radio network since 97 also with the sports junkies 106.7 the fan and the D.C area you can follow him on twitter at pete medhurst and as he mentioned co-host with joe miller also on the navy radio network of the it's college football podcast available on itunes uh great stuff a great listen about the world around the world of college football but med 
I was talking to John Feinstein last week, and he said something that were, and I think some Navy fans have taken exception to it since then, but you know, we were talking about the injury situation and quarterbacks being banged up again, and his comment was, I think maybe this is finally the first time in three years playing in a conference, obviously the American Athletic, that it's just kind of taken its toll on Navy. Well, I mean, look, football's football. I mean, contact is contact. Is the fact that uh, it's a guy from Central Michigan tackling you any different Mm -hmm. than a guy from SMU because we were playing other group of five teams. We were playing Ohio state. Uh, I mean, we're playing other people that are, 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 you know, good football programs. So it's not as if, you know, we were out there playing against, you know, the, the old mill uh, 13 U football team. So, I mean, I don't, I don't buy that. It doesn't matter who's hitting you. You get hit in the head, anybody, (laughs) you know, it's a concussion. I mean, that that's, that's what happens. You get, tackled with one guy up high, one guy down low, leaning on your foot, you're going to hurt your ankle. I mean, that it doesn't matter who's doing the hitting. And look, will I say that where in the past, maybe because of those injuries, they weren't able to be overcome because the quality of competition, that's perhaps something that you could discuss. But, you know, other than that, it doesn't matter who's doing the hitting. You get hit by anybody the way some of these guys for Navy has gotten hit this year with the type of injuries they've had. They're going to be injuries no matter uh, who you're playing against. The question is, can the depth of your program overcome it against the likes of the Central Floridas? I mean, look, the Mids had Garrett Lewis at quarterback going down the field in Central Florida territory down three in the fourth quarter against a team that hadn't trailed in the fourth quarter all year. So, uh, I mean, again, does that mean that you know, the injuries are taking their toll on them because it's uh, they, they're playing in a league. No, um, I, they put their third string quarterback and he's going down the field. And, and at least at that point, had them a chance to either tie or go ahead in that football game. So I don't necessarily buy mm-hmm. uh, that argument whatsoever. All right. Is Navy six and five right now? Uh I guess going into the Army game, I don't. You can't label anything yet. I don't want to say disappointment, but the fact is, this is a season that has gotten away from the midshipmen. But it, it, you, you use the word disappointment. That just simply goes right back to the bar that has been set by Coach Niamatololo that was started by Paul Johnson and just simply continued with the outstanding job that Kenny and his staff have done for the last several years, Pete. Well, I mean, I look at it this way, and for years, this has been the one, my one pet peeve about the way people perceive service academy football. Mm-hmm. You know, we we try to win every game just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and I, I think everybody thinks they just think we hope to hang in there, and when everybody's at the end of the game, you're headed to the bus, they tap yep. you on the head, hey, y'all played great today, good effort. Well, we try to win the game just like everybody else. That's That's the goal we've set for our program just like everybody else. We want to win the game. Um, you know, I mean, Kenny said it when he, when he his initial yeah. American Athletic Conference press conference. He goes, hey, it's nice. You know, we, we help ladies across the street. But, you know, hey, we're, we're here to hit you in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you it, know, and, and I, I, that's always been my pet peeve about it. And you know what? Based on the quality of the program and its expectations, is six and five disappointing? Yes, because they aspire uh, to win every game. They expect yeah. to win every football game. So yes, six and five in terms of the results is a disappointing number because this team holds itself to a higher standard. However, the coaches, the players know exactly why they are six and five and now have two weeks to try and, uh, you know, get the discipline necessary and the focus uh, to make sure that the things that have hurt them 
throughout this year do not hurt them on December the 9th against Army. Off the field, Pete, uh, obviously a lot everybody's familiar with Jaron Jasper, the situation you know, ongoing with uh, Navy offensive coordinator Ivan Jasper's son, uh, you know, really fighting for his life still. But how is spending time around the staff and the team, how, how is this year, how have these guys all come together, the staff, the players, how have they rallied around what has been just an incredibly difficult situation? Well, Price, when I was at practice early in the season when uh, Jaron was still in the hospital uh-huh. and you saw the days when Ivan was able to be there and then you saw the coaches uh, making the necessary adjustments in how they practiced on the days that Ivan couldn't be there. Uh, it, it really showed you why this coaching staff is as good as it is. Remember, mm-hmm. they got off to that 5-0 and start when most of fall camp, um, you know, Coach Jasper was in and out of practice, uh, you know, when, when events warranted. So that, in my mind, tells you exactly what you need to know about this coaching staff and the way they bonded together to make sure that uh, the quarterbacks got their work and got their tutelage correctly. And, and I, you know, look, the, Ken Niamatololo makes no bones about it. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. Yeah. And he, uh, he promotes a family atmosphere from within. He tells his guys, look, don't come in here on Sunday. Go be with your families. Go be fathers. Go be husbands. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, because of the environment that he presents at work, that's why guys want to work for him want to work for the Naval Academy. And one of the reasons why they bonded together during that tough time. And I also believe it's, it's that bonding and coming together in a tough time. That's going to help them uh, over these uh, next 10 days, getting ready for the black Knights. All right. As we begin wrapping up with Pete Medhurst, the play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipman again, follow Pete on Twitter at Pete Medhurst. And I think we're going to miss you maybe on radio row next week in Philly. Uh, Med, but we'll certainly see it at the stadium on Saturday. But, you know, let's look ahead to Army-Navy uh, as everybody obviously is barreling toward this one, you know, coming up uh, on Saturday, December the 9th at Lincoln Financial Field. You know, two teams that very similar in styles to head coaches who know each other very well. When you look at the two teams, the way this season's going, you know, how, what do you do in terms of matching up with each other? How, does it, how do you handicap this one between Army and Navy next weekend? Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't take a lot of secrets here, Price. I mean, they're going to yeah. run the ball. We're going to run the ball. Right. Uh, it's going to be a fast football game. I don't think there's any <laughs> question about that. Um, look, it, it comes down to this in my mind. You know, who's going to win the battle on third down? It's really been something that's tripped Navy up, uh, especially uh, in the run that they're in right now. Army has been so good all year for the most part at converting third down, keeping drives alive. They don't throw because they keep converting third downs because down in distance – is where they want it, third and three, third and four, third and two. Yep. And that's you got to give Jeff's guys a lot of credit. Uh, really sad to see Brent Davis not really get an interview for the Georgia Southern job. Thought he deserved that based on the job that he's done as the OC at Army. And, and look, give Jeff a lot of credit. I mean, he, he coached here while Paul was here, yep. and he did the exact same thing Paul Johnson did. He went out and got the schedule to the point where Army could rebuild and reload while being competitive at the same time against that caliber of opponent. And now they've mastered that. We'll see if they, you know, have a more challenging schedule going forward. But, you know, they put themselves in a position schedule-wise where they're playing teams that they're going to be competitive with as they've rebuilt the program. And they've done a great job uh, to, to get to the, the, the nine-win mark uh, this year. you got to give them all the credit in the world. They've, they've played fantastic and executed well. But I still think if Navy is healthy, 
uh, the Mids have the wherewithal um, to make explosive plays uh, in this game. If Malcolm Perry is, is as close to 100% as he can be, whether it's at slot back or a quarterback, he's the kind of guy that has shown us uh, all season price that he's an explosive player. And I think he individually, offensively, may be the best player in this game. And that's why I think Navy has as good a chance to win this game. Now, if Army finds a way defensively to neutralize him, then Army's going to be in, in pretty good shape, uh, I would think. But I think Malcolm is the X factor because he is a difference maker uh, in this game, I think, unlike anybody else on both rosters. All right, and finally, Pete, uh, you, Rich DeMarco, Jim Arthur, the three play-by-play guys from the service academies, you, the best of the best at what you guys do. As the play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipmen, just talk about out on the way out the door, the opportunity, the honor to call this game, the Army-Navy game, that's going to go into bases, homes, around not just around the country, but around the world to service men and, men and women around the globe who are listening, you know, hanging on every play. Yeah, I mean, I, Price, it, it, it gives me goosebumps when I think about it every year, especially at kickoff. And, you know, when you think of at Navy, we had not had a, a long list of play-by-play guys through the years, and the ones that we've had have all gone on to uh, big things because – of what this this network and what you know being around this team uh, mm-hmm. has meant. I mean, and as I I often tell people, whenever I talk about the Naval Academy to other people, I always tell them, remember, our kids, you know, upon graduation, are going to defend our freedom and give us the right to convene next year and future years to watch Army Navy games. And and the fact that. Uh, this rivalry is one of the more sacred rivalries in all of college football. We've been able to keep it that way. It's on a standalone Saturday, all to its own. And look, a couple of years ago when the Mids had a, a big play and Vern Lundquist is saying my name, here's Pete Bedhurst on the Navy Radio Network <laughs> with this call. I mean, Price, I, I, I'm not sure I've had, you know, that, that that's probably the greatest moment in my life professionally. Um to knowing wow. what Vern has meant to me uh, as an idol growing up and to have him say that, that's something that I'm going to be able to take with me forever. And if I'm not the voice of the Navy midshipmen, I don't get that opportunity. Um, and I'm, you know, just like every other slept uh, trying to find, you know, something to do on, on Saturday. So to be able to tell the world about some of the greatest student athletes in the country uh, every Saturday or in the case of, so far this year, every on a Friday and a Thursday too, because that's what college football has now come to for us. Um, it, it's just, it's a humbling honor. It's one of the greatest honors in the world uh, to share the microphone every weekend uh, with Joe Miller and with uh, former coach Tom O'Brien, who's a Naval Academy grad, and Tim Murray, all on our uh, our Navy Radio Network. Well, Pete Medhurst, the play-by-play voice of the midshipmen, also. Uh, Sports Junkies 106.7, the fan. Again, you can listen to their college football podcast uh, with Joe Miller and and Pete. It's college football on iTunes. It's a great listen around the world of college football. But just, Pete, can't thank you enough. Everybody can follow you on Twitter at Pete Medhurst again, but cannot wait to see you in Philadelphia. It should be another fun, but more importantly, a special afternoon between Army and Navy, my friend. And we get to drink all the free Snapple and cheesesteaks we can stand in the press box, my friend. Good to talk to you as always. All right. That's Pete Medhurst, the play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipmen.
When we come back, the Army-Navy press conference was held in Philadelphia this week. We'll let you hear a little bit of audio from that, what the coaches, some of the players had to say, and also our weekly Faces of the Fallen segment that we close up shop with right here every single week here on Yards and Stripes. This is Radio Influence. Rolling right along here on Yards and Stripes, Episode 16. I'm Price Atkinson, your host. And as we get ready this week for the upcoming Army-Navy game next week, the players, coaches, city officials from Philadelphia got together in the city of brotherly love earlier this week to talk about the matchup between Army and Navy. Obviously, a lot of the same familiar refrain that we heard, how great the city of Philadelphia is as a host, um, the uniqueness, the specialness of the rivalry. We heard it all earlier this week up in Philadelphia as everybody got together for the annual press conference in advance of the 118th Army-Navy game, which will be played Saturday, December the 9th at Lincoln Financial Field. And players, coaches, as I mentioned, uh, got together, took the podium. want to bring you a little bit of the sounds that we heard uh, from the press conference. First, former Philadelphia Eagles outstanding quarterback Ron Jaworski, a Philadelphia staple, he talked about his first experience with this rivalry. I will never forget the first year I came to Philadelphia as an Eagles quarterback and the Army-Navy game was taking place at Veterans Stadium, which is then right across the street from here. And we would practice at the old JFK Stadium, which is now knocked down, was right behind me. And we would practice in the morning at JFK. We would walk back to our locker room at Veterans Stadium and walk by those men from the Army and Navy teams. I still get goosebumps thinking about that first interaction that I had with that game personally. Had watched it on television, realized how important it was to this country, this competitive America's game. But when I actually saw it up close and personal, it literally mesmerized me. What these young men do to play the game of football, then leave the game of football and serve us and serve this country and make sure that we're safe. That means more than anything. That's why it is America's game. And it means so much to me as a football player and just as much as someone who lives in this community. Uh, it is important to us to have the Army-Navy game here in Philadelphia. All right, and that was Ron Jaworski, the former Philadelphia Eagles outstanding quarterback and ESPN analyst, now residing there in the New Jersey area in private business. But, you know, a lot of the same things that Coach Niamatololo, uh, he, he echoed from Ron Jaworski, and also just the specialness of getting to come back to Philadelphia every single year, as well as just the character of the kids, and specifically the Army kids he had a chance to meet for the first time. You know, the city of Philadelphia, this has been a great place for us. We've been coming up for many years. Um, you know, we've been staying in the same hotel. Uh, the people that work there, you know, I mean, it's almost like family. We see them every year, and they're excited. You know, we're excited to see them. You know, so we thank you so much for that. You know, the Philadelphia Eagles, thank you. It was cool to see Jaws. I'm a big fan of yours, uh, to see you talk. You know, just thank you for Philadelphia Eagles. And I think Jeff and I can kind of... We can definitely relate to this, especially as I meet, uh, you know, both John and Ahmad. Just, and I know our kids, you know, talking about the Eagles being number, you know, 10 and 1. Carson Wentz is the man of character. And I've seen him in different things, listened to him talk. Obviously, he's a phenomenal talent, but just his character is impeccable. 
And being a coach at a service academy, I know how that is because I coach great kids that are wonderful people. And so you can do the 40 times and vertical jump. You know what I mean? It just, uh, like I was talking to Maduro, I've seen him on tape, unfortunately, too many times uh, the last couple of days watching him run. But I just met him downstairs. Just what a wonderful young man. And like I said, it's just the kind of guys we have. That's Navy head coach Ken Niamatololo right there. Great stuff from Kenny, and then you're not to be outdone. Coach Jeff Munkin, the head coach of the Army Black Knights, you know, saving what he said for last because he talked about what makes the Army-Navy game the most special rivalry in all of sport. Everybody that's been up here, everybody's excited about this game. This is America's game. It's, it's the greatest rivalry in sports, better than all of our favorite basketball teams and baseball teams and NFL teams and, and wherever we hail from our, our, our alma maters. This is, the only, this is the only game where everybody that's, that's playing is willing to put themselves in perhaps the most difficult of circumstances, put their life on the line, as Dave and, and Grant mentioned, for everybody else that's watching. And that's what makes it America's game. And I think this is an incredible opportunity for us to, to put these two academies and all of our men and women who serve around the world and, and put attention on, on them where it's deserved for all the rest of us who, in, who are, are fortunate to, to live in a country where we have people who are willing to do the jobs that we're not willing to do for the freedoms of us all. So uh, it, it'll be a great opportunity for us to represent all of those men and women, our respective services, and, and frankly to battle it out where two teams, every time the ball is snapped, is, is, is fighting as hard as two teams can fight on every single play to have the opportunity to, to take this trophy home to their, their, their student body. And that's Army head coach Jeff Munkin right there. Could not agree with Coach Munkin any more than what he said about playing for men and women that are in the fleet, uh, serving abroad their country and, and, and the Army and the Marines and the Air Force. doesn't matter what branch of service those people have served. They have served, and that is what these teams play for on Saturday. So just some great, great stuff from Jeff Munkin right there. The greatest rivalry in all of sport. Could not say it anymore. It doesn't matter. Pro, college, high school, forget it all. Army-Navy is set apart in a class by itself. All right, when we come back, our weekly Faces of the Fallen segment, as we get ready to wrap up shop here on Episode 16 of Yards and Strike. We'll be right back. All right, time for our weekly Faces of the Fallen segment here on Yards and Strikes, where if you've listened to this segment, you obviously know what it's all about. For those who are first-time listeners, let me tell you, this is Faces of the Fallen, where we wrap up every episode by honoring and remember a fallen former student-athlete from Army, Navy, or Air Force who has given their life, given the ultimate sacrifice for our nation, for our flag, and for our freedoms. And this week, we take a step back and honor and remember the life of 32-year-old Elizabeth Betsy Keeley, who at 32 years old, a Marine captain, died on Friday, January the 23rd, 2015, when a helicopter uh, that she was piloting 
uh, and on board crashed as she was based out of the Marine Corps Air Ground Combat Center uh, conducting training mission out of 29 Palms, California. And as I mentioned, she was one of two grad, uh, killed uh, in the plane crash along with Marine First Lieutenant Adam Satterfield. And Betsy, who was a 2005 Naval Academy graduate assigned to the Marine Light Attack Helicopter Squadron 169, uh, was conducting that training mission based out of 29 Palms, California, when her UH 1Y Huey helicopter crashed. And Elizabeth was a native of Indiana. Pennsylvania, as I mentioned, a 2005 Naval Academy graduate, was a member of the Navy heavyweight crew team, the Marathon Team, Officers Christian Fellowship, and several other organizations uh, in Annapolis there on the yard at Navy uh, when she graduated in 2005 as she was commissioned as a Marine Corps officer. And her mom, who said after her passing, uh, her mother, Christine Keeley Thompson, out of Salisbury, North Carolina, uh, said talked about her daughter who only wanted the toughest challenges in life that life could offer. And that was her, one of the reasons that drove her to the Naval Academy and to ultimately the Marine Corps and to pilot helicopters, saying, quote, I'm going to go into the Marines because that's the hardest branch of the military, and I'm going to fly helicopters because that's the hardest thing to do, end quote. That was Betsy Keeley's mother, uh, Chris, who was just recanting uh, the conversation that her daughter told her why she wanted to pursue what she did. And her daughter was looking forward to pursuing graduate school and becoming a physics teacher after 10 years in the military. Uh, uh, before getting out. But her father, uh, Walter, who was a military career veteran, an Army colonel, worked as a liaison officer for the United States Military Academy. Uh, her father, late father, who passed away before her passing, uh, obviously there was a very deep connection to the military and service in their family. Uh, but uh, as her friends, family remembered her deep faith, uh, her high school coach, uh, at high school, who was her cross-country coach, uh, James Irwin, said, quote, the greatest thing I could say about her is that I'd like to have her as a daughter. Whatever can be done for her, whatever articles can be written are well-deserved. And that was her high school coach, uh, cross-country coach, James Irwin. And it's just time where we take a step back. We honor remember, you know, the lives of those who have given the ultimate sacrifices for you know, what we do on a daily basis to be able to sit here and talk with you all uh, about Service Academy football. But it is people like Elizabeth Betsy Keeley who have put their lives on the line in different places at home around the globe to keep us safe and to keep freedom free. Because we know freedom is never free. So we take a step back. Honor, remember the life of Elizabeth Betsy Keeley, 2005 Naval Academy graduate, a native of Indiana, Pennsylvania, survived by her mother, as I mentioned. Christine Keeley Thompson of Salisbury, a sister Laura Keeley of New York, and also a brother Walter Keeley III, also out of New York. This is Radio Influence. All right, that'll do it for this edition, episode 16, Yards and Stripes. Appreciate everybody tuning in all season long, and especially this week as we get ready to turn the page to the Army-Navy game next Saturday in Philadelphia. 
Don't forget, as I mentioned at the outset, we will have a special. I will be broadcasting live from Radio Row next Friday, Friday, December the 8th, the day before the game at Lincoln Financial Field. I will be live from USAA Radio Row there in Philadelphia from 12 to 2 p.m. That's 12 to 2 p.m. next Friday live that you can listen to right online on your smartphone, radioinfluence.com forward slash Army Navy game. Again, you can listen next to, next Friday, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, radioinfluence.com, Army Navy game. We'll have special interviews with folks coming by Radio Row. It should be a lot of fun. Did it last year. If you miss that live show next Friday, do not worry. I will have the podcast. I will have it up and on our podcast site where you listen to Yards and Stripes every single week. I will have it up within an hour of completing that live show. So do not worry. The interviews will be there. You can listen to it as you sit in an airport flying into greater the greater Philadelphia area. If you're en route traveling, you can listen live or you can catch the podcast or even Saturday morning before the game to get you ready for the Army-Navy game. But again, live show 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time from Radio Row next Friday. That'd be Friday, December the 8th. Can't wait to bring you interviews on a special Army-Navy preview edition there in Philadelphia. Can't thank Pete Medhurst, the play-by-play voice of the Navy Midshipmen, for joining us this week as we now have talked to all three play-by-play voices this entire season. The history has been oh so much fun, and we're going to have fun in Philadelphia for that game. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Yards and Stripes, on Facebook yards and stripes there i will have sights sounds photos video all kinds of different things starting friday from radio row i will have all that content and more up on our social media platforms for yards and stripes make sure to give us a like and a follow on those you won't want to miss it and certainly everything that goes on around the army navy game on saturday december the 9th that'll do it for episode 16 appreciate everybody tuning in this week can't wait to talk to you guys again next week from philadelphia but until then have a great weekend stay safe and we'll talk to you then right here on yards and stripes to get more info on all things service academy football like yards and stripes on facebook and follow them on twitter at yards and stripes this has been yards and stripes on radio influence I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist, so thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.